Not ready. Log Talk Radio. Welcome to This Is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less. You know, I'm looking at uh, page 75. Oh, are we still on? The uh, Look at all the <laughs> wine glasses in front of the people in the big picture. Top Look 10 at wines 81 of also. Look at page 81 also. There's 81. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a... Oh, hold on. Yeah, I forgot. Confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions. Oh, wow, they had Sting there, too. Sting was uh, performing at a seminar. Just gonna you know, John Bon Jovi yeah. was there also. His, he's got a winery. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. And comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Thank you, most people. Thank you. Well, they are happy because it is so warm here, nice and pleasant. So, thank you, most people. <laughs> yeah, it's back in the, back in the eighties. It was uh, what twenties and thirties, uh, not too long ago. And here we yeah. are. You know, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know John Bon Jovi had a son. Um, and they have a, oh. a wine. Well, well I knew they had the a winery. He, he's one of one of the celebrities that has a winery. John Bon Jovi. Um, well, I didn't know he had a son. Yeah, no, yeah, hey, Jesse Bongiovi. Uh, bon yeah, it's the same pronunciation. It looks like. But, yeah, uh, I guess Jovi and John Bon Jovi just you know. Well, I guess that's it. Mm-hmm. Jesse Bon Jovi and mm-hmm. I guess John Bon Jovi just separates it, and his son just says mm-hmm. it the way it's supposed to be. Bon Jovi. No, I didn't know he had a son either. The older mm-hmm. guy too. He's not. He's not a kid. You know. We are looking at the newest issue of Wine Spectator magazine, the January 31st to February 28th issue, and uh, we were discussing stuff before the show, but we found the article, The Pleasure Being Together. This is the 2021 New York Wine Experience, the 40th anniversary. I announced these, excuse me, I announced these throughout you know, once they come out, I keep telling you about them and all that, uh, if you uh, want to do it. Uh, but uh, this last show normally accommodates 2,000 to 2,500 guests, but they were limited to 1,000 uh, this last year because of the uh, COVID. So not as many people there. Not, they haven't came out with a date or anything for this year yet. We were just talking about that before the show. I don't know if they're going to be restricting the guests or not again this year. I mean, I don't know. Um, but we were going through it, but it's, it's just some really cool pictures on there. They have, uh, they show the table setups and the people sitting at the table with like, oh my gosh, what is that? A dozen glasses sitting in front of them, I think, or something like that. Uh, is that the judges? I don't know. I didn't see. 
Top 10 Wines of 2020 Seminar, led by Senior Editor Bruce Anderson. Uh, no, that's just a seminar. That's not the judging of it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, wow. let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, yeah, 10, 11, 12. It looks like there's more than 10 glasses on each table. But, yeah, that's just, that's just a seminar. That's just going to it and doing this. <coughs> Excuse me, doing the seminar, uh, and then a couple of pages later, they they show another one uh, where page uh, seventy five. These pages are sticking together. I can't get yeah, they, eighty one. The big picture, the whole page. Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, yeah there you go. That's, that's wine experience participants. That's enjoy the top three of twenty nineteen. And they're enjoying the top three, and there's like still eight, ten glasses in front of everybody. So, oh, my gosh, that should have been quite an experience. That would have been fun. So mm-hmm. if anybody goes, uh, well, the top three of 2019 that they did, they listed in the book, Chateau, Leoville, Barton, St. Julian, that's a 2016, uh, My Camus, Cabernet Sauvignon, Mount Veter, 2015, and a San Giusto, Giusto, uh, <laughs> Chiante, Classico, 2016. So, <laughs> I, I skipped a word there. Um, so, uh, you know, that's an uh, interesting thing. They have, what, they have the wine experience? Well, you know, I think they have a date on this now. You were saying something, Mike, that they do have the date. Oh, the new book. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was um, in October. That was the New York wine experience, oh. and they did not have the Grand Tour. And I forgot what page it was. I marked a couple of them, but yeah, I'll find it. But October one. That's been, Christine Christy Keir, who is a pro golfer, has a winery also. Keir uh, Vineyards. Our Cure Cellars and at Wapo Vineyard, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon is one of hers. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of celebrities have it. You've got to have money to do it, though, because it's so bloody expensive. And, and Napa is like yeah. uh, you know, almost half a million dollars an acre there. So, hmm. yeah, so that's the newest issue of Wine Spectator magazine. Mike and I were going through and comparing, comparing our, our magazines. I just yes. got mine, and I, I uh, hadn't gone through it yet, and I'm going through it at the beginning of the show, and I go, oh, wow, look, there's another. So we're <laughs> kind of... Uh, yeah, and I dug out uh, mine, because I, I got mine. I think I got mine yesterday? They previously, yeah. So, okay, we got some All About Wine news for you today, as always. We got some interesting... First, I want to thank... Remember... Oh, I can't remember how long ago it was. I think it was that first year when we had Michael uh, Jurgens on, uh, MJ. And he mm-hmm. talked about the wines of uh, I'll look. What country was it? Yeah, it was it was an, a little Asian country over there that we didn't expect wine and all that, and he was doing that. But 
Alex is was one that originally contacted me about him getting him on the show, and she sent me a thank you card today, which was I thought was very oh, nice wow. of her. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I got yeah. I received a thank you card just thanking us for having him on the show and stuff like that. And, he was, he was on. Uh, he was on in September 30th of last oh. year. Um, born and raised in California, built the wine industry in the Himalayas. Himalayas, um, that's right. That's what I was yeah. trying to think of. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Alex was, I guess, his promotionist or whatever you want to call him, and sent me a thank you card. Well, that was nice. I have been looking. I told you last week, too, I was going to try to find out what the legal level is considered for non-alcoholic and low-alcoholic wine, no lows, as they are referenced. And I'm having a heck of a time. I went to the TTB, and I've been searching around the TTB trying to find stuff. TTB, if you're looking for something specific like, you know, forms to fill out, uh, or, well, they have all sorts of stuff here under, under different headlines. I mean, you can go to you can go to wine and find a bunch of stuff. Plus, they've got tabs, all sorts of drop-down tabs for just about everything that you want, which is great. I mean, you can, I used to go to TTB when I had the winery. I used to go there all the time. Uh, things like colas and, and uh, trying to get, approval for labels and stuff they've got that all online now it's just so much easier but trying to find a specific regulation like what is the level of alcohol that you can legally put in a no alcohol or low alcohol wine you can't find that so i have been going nuts i I searched for a while and then i drift off to something else like everybody does when they're starting to search something they find something else and I go oh this is interesting so I go and I read that and I go okay let me get back to what I was and I start looking again and I find something else so actually it's taken me more time than it really should because I find something new that's interesting to read and I kill some time reading that but the point is I have not found anything about low alcohol or no alcohol wine so if any of you out there know anything about it or you know rules or if you if you're wondering you make it or something let me know i'm just i'm curious on the alcohol level of it i no alcohol should have no alcohol but it wouldn't surprise me if it does same thing with low alcohol I, how low is low and so that has me curious too. Did we lose Facebook or did we lose Mike? Uh, oh, Mike's still with us. We must have lost something. Came in something. We got a uh, we got a message. Yeah, we got a message on Facebook from uh, Robert. Hello, welcome to the show. Oh, okay, Robert that's Wilson. what it was. Your same last name, by the way. Hmm. Who could that be? Hmm. Who could that be? Robert. Robert with my same last name. Well, that could be a cousin of mine, but he lives in the Philippines. But he could be listening. So if that is you, Robert, thank you. Thank you for listening. And so, uh, yeah, I heard the ding. That's that's funny because my phone is starting to pick up the dings from anything that comes in, and that surprised me that it <laughs> that it actually is doing that. So you know when that 
hear it. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Go yeah. So, uh, TTB, I, I, I'll search some more and see if there's any rules on there, if there's any regulations for low or no alcohol wine, but so far I have had no luck. And again, I repeat, if you know of the rules and regulations, or if a winery around you, that would work also. If a winery around you makes a no alcohol or a low alcohol wine, send me a uh, anything. Send me a text. Send me a, a email. Send me anything. Let me know what the winery is, and I'll just get a hold of them and uh, find out because I can always look up the winery. That's not a problem. But I'm not sure of who's making it now and all that. So I am quandary here so if you are uh, you can help me out then that would be greatly appreciated excuse me <coughs> thank you I'm not, I'm not a little catch in my throat tonight all right so I have things to talk about I have things to tell you about I have all sorts of bits and pieces news as always on all about wine we always have stuff to to fill you in and keep you informed okay let's start here uh, all this is within the last last week actually all this news I'm passing on is within the last week coming up one of the world's largest wine industry events is taking place in Sacramento and it's going to no thank you maybe later um, it is going to be at the Sheraton Grand Hotel in Sacramento put on by the United Wine and Grape Symposium it's going to be Sacramento's largest convention and it is a wine convention and it is not going to have any wine. What? Yeah, they're going to do it without wine this year. The uh, COVID, the cancellation from last year and the year before last, has had them a little concerned. So uh, it, uh, the overall convention will go on, but attendance is expected to be down. Organizers expect 9,000 attendees this year for the three-day event, which will end, oh, I think it's ending today. Let me check and see. Yes, it ended today. Oh, my gosh, too bad. Um, but uh, that's uh, a long ways from the pre-COVID, which they didn't do, it la uh, didn't do it last year, but the year before in 2020, they had 14. Oh. 140,000 that attended the three-day event. So even though it's down, they still got something like, uh, what did I say, uh, 9,000 this year, which isn't too bad. They are not tasting wine, though. It's just uh, they're offering it. It's there. They, I think they said that they do have one meal that they do where they serve wine on it. But that's a very restricted attendance thing so it's uh 
the biggest one that they have in Sacramento, and it's not just California wines either. They get wines from all over. They're uh, lesser-known regions. They try to promote uh, Amador County, which is near Sacramento, New Mexico, New York, Arizona. All those different areas are all part of this wine tasting. So, but it's a big one. I've been, they've been this has been going on for a few years. I've I've seen this advertised in the past here, but it's it's finished today. So let's see, it's seven, it's four sixteen. It's probably just wrapping up now out there. Okay, we got bidding of some rare Napa Valley library lots. It ends this weekend, I believe, and uh, it's a a very interesting one. This has been going on for uh, for a number of years. It, uh, the bidding opened up on January 25th, and it ends this Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, so it'll be 4 o'clock East Coast. And it's a collection of more than 50 Napa Valley Library wine lots which is coming direct from the manufacturer sellers, from the winery sellers, and they can you know, put it right in your cellar if you have one or wherever you want it. Southby, a uh, big name in auctions, is doing the first ever wine sales to focus on the Napa Valley region. And all the proceeds from the Napa Valley Library Wine Auction benefit programs to promote, protect, and enhance Napa Valley. Uh, which, you know, after the fires and stuff last couple of years, this is something I can really use. But it's quite a few wines here, and it's not just a bottle here. The first one on the list, and I'll, I'm not going to read, they've got 53 different ones here. I'm not going to go and read all of them. I'll highlight a few of them. Adams VS at Seve Vineyards. They've got two historical estates, one big bottle, lot there they are offering nine magnums and that's like two bottles per magnum two seven fifty which used to um the bid right now is setting at three thousand two hundred dollars these are all u.s dollars too you can go to the website napa valley winery and uh, or southbeast.com auction 2022 any of those will get you there and you can do your own bidding but if you listen to this next week you're too late because it ends this saturday but they have all sorts of different wineries here and all sorts of different sizes and all sorts of different possibilities uh, that you can cake bread here's one cake bread sellers meet the dancing bear 24 bottles 750 bottles uh, the bid on that is $5,000 right now. Uh, here's uh, Chateau Montalina, a vertical and more. $12, or 12 bottles, but it's different years of wines. That's $4,200. Uh, Chimney Rock Winery, three decades, two formats, three magnums, and three imperials. So real big bottles there. You can share those with friends. The bid is twelve thousand or nineteen thousand dollars on that. Um, 
Diamond Creek Vineyards, Diamond Creek Double Magnums, uh, three of them offered $3,500. Diamond Creek's some excellent wine. But they've got all sorts of stuff here. Like I say, there's 53 different ones being offered here in these different lots. Uh, my Camus, one of them here. Let's see, I'm looking to see if I can't see. Oh, here we go. Best of Oakville, Oakville Wine Growers. Oakville Winery, I used to love it when you went to Napa Valley, you'd drive up into Napa Valley years ago. The very first winery you'd come across would be Oakville Winery. Nice little winery that set off to the right, and they had some great wines. Uh, I used to love going there, and they were reasonably priced, too. I used to pick up a case of their, what was it called, Moon, something Moon, um, red wine, and you used to pick up a case or two of that every time you go up there, and it, just, it was, like I say, a real reasonably priced wine. Well, here they have Oakville Growers, the best of Oakville. They have 28 Magnums and one DM, and for the life of me, I can't think of what a DM is right now. That's larger than a Magnum, but 28 Magnums of Oakville Wine Growers, $24,000, and you know, that's probably a little bit. That's it's, It sounds like a lot, but for the wines that they're putting out of Oakville right now, that is really pretty decent price. Uh, Screaming Eagle, Screaming Eagle Horizontal Flight, three Magnums, $42,000. Screaming Eagle is uh, an icon in Apple Valley Cabernet Sauvignon, won against tastings against France uh, many times and all that. It is a phenomenal wine. And these are magnums, so obviously larger, and they will last a lot longer for you if you are so inclined to continue aging it, which is a possibility in probably every one of these that you're getting. There are some white wines here. There's some reds and all that stuff. So it is the Napa Valley Library Wine Auction. It's direct from the sellers of, sellers of the wineries. And this Saturday at 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, it ends, but they're doing a online uh, bidding and uh, with the auction. And I think Saturday, they're, they're live stream. Yeah, there it is. Live streamed auction on Saturday. So you can finish it up there. So if you're waiting for the last minute to see where the prices go and you can bid on them, then Saturday is the time to do it. Again, it closes at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And let's see. Why is it default to that? That's strange. Uh, Pennsylvania has their liquor stores. Other states do. A few other states do. And I, I'm not familiar with all the states that have their their uh, state-controlled liquor stores. Uh, the um, ABC stores, alcohol beverage con- uh, control stores, and different things. They have different names in different states and all that. Pennsylvania is n- notorious uh, 
I don't want that. Whenever I look at articles from newspapers, I always get a pop-up asking me if I would like to be a subscriber or I would like to join or something like that. But state representative from Western Pennsylvania has proposed a constitutional amendment that would ban the state from the booze business. Wow. The Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board, LCB, has been in existence since, um, well, well, since Prohibition ended back in the 30s. They have, when Prohibition ended, uh, it set all the standards back to the states and said, here, you can do what you want with you know, how you control liquor and alcohol and all that in your state. Well, Pennsylvania set up their liquor control board. And so they've been doing that for years. Excuse me again. I, I don't know what this is, but I'll tell you why. This is starting to irritate me. I'll drink water there and see if that helps. But the it's been in place for so long, and State Representative Natalie uh, Mahalek, who's sponsored, who's co-sponsored, said, "Should this government be engaged in the sale of alcohol?" Well, uh, the people who have been having to go into a liquor control board store in Pennsylvania, uh, alcohol stores for years and all that would probably love to be able to have all their stuff in stores and different places around all that. The argument's always been that it's been more expensive and it's, you know, the you can't get certain things, uh, especially in wines, they limit, which is the... Uh, amount of wine you can get, the limit, the spirits that you can get, all sorts of stuff. There's all sorts of different things that they complain about. But the system generated 2.91 billion in sales in the year ended June the 30th of 2021. So we're in the middle of a new year now. Of that, more than 764.8 million went into the general fund for the state. 415.8 million in liquor tax, 163.9 million in state sales tax, and 185.1 million in profit. Now you don't see them building a new fancy store; they put that into uh, the state, whatever they need. So. What they have done with that is give $29.2 million to the Pennsylvania State Police Bureau. $5.3 million went to the State Department of Drug and Alcohol Programs. And $9.6 million went to Allegheny County and Philadelphia for additional local taxes. And then $1.8 million went into the license fee to municipalities. So they spread it around the state. There's a lot of money that is generated by these liquor control or liquor sells stores, but they're saying, wait a minute, maybe we don't want to do this. Maybe we want to turn it over and let this have a little bit more free enterprise. But then you have the people who are against it. Wendell Young, president of United Food and Commercial Workers Union, Local 1776, which represents state store workers, warned that this is not a good idea. He said you're going to get higher prices, higher taxes, and less selection 
if you let this go into regular stores and let the state stores out of business? Well, of course he's going to say that. But I have heard other people, states that have these stores, and Pennsylvania is one of them saying that they can't get certain wines because, and I know about wine, can't get certain wines because it's a state store and they won't get it in, and, and just all sorts of reasons. And like small wineries can't get into excuse me small wineries can't get into those stores because they don't go through a distribute and distribution and because of that they don't go into the store so that's why you can't get a lot of the different wines of the small wineries you might like hmm. so but it's warned that it's going to cause a problem of course he's going to want six thousand six hundred people actually are employed by the pennsylvania liquor control board and the stores, and they said they're not going to find work anywhere else. Uh, um, if the other stores that liquor and wine start going into it, they'll just make space on the shelf for those products, and that'll be it. They won't have to hire extra people, and so these people that do work for the state will be out of a job. He said, letting voters decide on whether the state stays in alcohol business is a bad idea because voters are not being given the chance to make a valid choice. Hmm. He states, oh, come on. He states, quote, you're not showing them what you're replacing it with. There's no choice. It's a popularity contest. It's a philosophical question. So, as I find out stuff, I'll let you know. I, I've had, I have had people complain about state stores forever. Now that they're having a chance to possibly a bill being written to let people vote on eliminating a state store, I don't know what's going to happen. It's like I say, this. Uh, he, I predict that they will end up keeping it because if they're making that much money, that much money then can you imagine the campaign that they can throw out there to have people vote against closing the stores? Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, but if people are that fed up with the state stores, they just might say, hey, we're not going to do this anymore. We've had it too long. We're tired of doing it. We'll just let the free enterprise take over all over and get the state out of my alcohol business. So we'll find out. A French winemaker says that we should have an open-minded approach to vine genome editing. Now, this isn't GMO. This is CRISPR more than anything. And I've talked about CRISPR in the past. This is when you actually slice out a bit of the uh, DNA. It is a precise modification of the plant and so therefore it's it, you're not mixing something else in with it you are actually splicing out the thing that's bad and I, I, I don't have a problem with it I really search into it and I don't see a problem with it it's called abbreviated here we go Mike again NBT and it's Mike and I were talking about how there's so many abbreviations out there, and you don't know what they are 90% of the time. 
abbreviated as NBT, which means new breeding techniques. And this term covers uh, techniques developed back in 2001 that can modify an organism's genome in a targeted way. And they cut it out or scissors. They scissors out the genome, the part of the DNA that they want to eliminate. They said this way you can get rid of pesticides without changing the grape variety. It's not going to change the flavor or the taste or anything. All you do is just make it so that it's resistant to certain characteristics. Okay. This is a quote from the guy, from the uh, professor. They would simply receive the genes for resistance to fungal diseases without losing their aroma and flavor characteristics or their names, which is pivotal. It continues, unlike GMOs, the new genome technologies, MBTs, allow benign changes to be made with no unknown or dangerous consequences. So there you go. He thinks it's going to be a thing. I've talked about CRISPR in the past. Uh, we had a show where we talked quite a bit about CRISPR and how it could modify grapevines and the plants themselves to produce good grapes that are not susceptible to any of the grape diseases or any of the mildew or any of the bugs or any of that stuff. So they're working on it, and this French wine grower says, yeah, keep an open mind to it. It could be the thing we have to do in the future because it could affect the heat and uh, different things that are going on around the world with the uh, with the climate so <coughs> so uh, again we'll see how that works out there we don't know alright that's there oh I have to pass on a funny that my, my wife my engineer told me I told her, I said, you know, we had 55 Super Bowls. And on the 55th Super Bowl, it was the very first time that the home team played in the stadium that they picked for the Super Bowl. And uh, she said, yeah, the Bucks." I said, you're right. The Bucks played in their home stadium. And that was the first time in 55. I said, but this year, again, we have it. The... Rams are playing in their home stadium. And she looked at me and she goes, global warming. <laughs> I thought, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can't, can't believe on anything. You're like, oh, global warming. So uh, give her a, a thumbs up for a good line there. Um, okay. All right. Um, let's go into this here. What do we got on this? Uh, this next one. What is the next varietal? What is the next thing we're looking for? What are every? It seems like every decade we have something that is the big thing. Eighties uh, and actually into the nineties, we had white zimbabwe. White zimbabwe was the thing for years. There, it seemed like everybody had white zimbabwe. All that in the twenty tens, it was sweet red blends, and you all remember that. That wasn't that long ago. So now that we're in the 2020s, what is going to be the next one? 
Well, this article goes into all sorts of different things here and basically comes up with, I don't know, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> and so we don't know. Um, there is all sorts of things that could jump out and grab you. Uh, like you said, I think the industry is so broad that it's not a question about varietal type versus no or low versus organic versus better for you. It's just then each have some degree or even no degree of importance to one segment of consumers or another. There are countless ways to think of segments, and that's true. The millennials, you have the boomers, you have the uh, everybody, different generations, you have the different people. And, you know, let's discount the uh, non-drinkers because they're not going to influence the category. But a lot of people do. Wine is growing, and so it's going to be a big category. And what's going to be the next thing that grabs it? Now, we were talking about no alcohol, low alcohol last week, and it seems to be a growing, a, a big growing category there. I don't know if that's going to catch on enough to really cause uh, a change. I doubt it, honestly. But it seems like red blends are something that is really uh, around. But there's also these others, uh, flavored things like uh, Stella Rosa wineries has been making some fruit-infused wines. They have a tropical mango uh, infused white wine that is sort of a uh, well a, <laughs> a mango color <laughs> you know um, and then you know rosés and sparkling wines are starting to catch up a little bit the rosé is a very popular category and uh, sweeter fruit infused sparkling is another category that could break out real big so, yeah, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. It's, uh, and they're pretty sure it's not going to be a varietal type, though. This, is, this article goes on and says after talking with people and after doing surveys and stuff, it doesn't look like it's going to be a varietal. It doesn't look like it's going to be a Cabernet Sauvignon or a Chardonnay or a Riesling. It's going to be something different. It's going to be a... Uh, a blend, probably, or even you know something like fruit infused wines or something like that, because that seems to be how the pattern has starting to shape up now before for the new year. And you know, if you're looking for healthy wines, you're not looking for autos. Uh, you're looking for something that is good for you. Like, okay, a red supposed to be good for you, so you're going to get that. You're not going to say, well. Cabernet Sauvignon or Pinot Noir is going to be good for you. You're going to say a red. Uh, and the same thing for sweet wines. You're not going to be saying, okay, I need to find myself a Gewürztraminer uh, made by this place because that's sweet or Riesling made by this place that's sweet. You're just going to start looking for sweet and not a any particular varietal. So it's going to be interesting. It's, it's rather confusing now. Uh, look, a decade ago, who would have thought that bourbon barrel wine would be a thing? And now you've got dozens of producers out there that are doing bourbon barrel aged wine. And there's hundreds of bottles of different types and all that. So 
you know, what we find over the next few months may be something that we never thought of that would be the next thing. So we'll wait and see. Uh, it's not really been established yet. I think the uh, COVID has changed the dynamics on what we're looking for and what we're trying now in home sales has obviously been through the roof because of it, but it hasn't been any thing that has jumped out. Cans, wine in a can, is that the next thing? Well, it could be, but there's so many different types of that that that's not really a way to say, hey, this is going to be the next thing. So, Again, we're going to have to wait and see, as we always do on most of this stuff. Okay, we got ourselves a new AVA in Washington that is now, uh, I'm sorry, in Oregon, that is now official and going. It was made official on, I want to say the end of January, January the, January the what? 25th, I think, something like that. It is the lower long Tom AVA, Lower Long Tom region. And it is uh, quite a few wineries there. Let me see. The first one was planted in 1980, uh, 1979. And it's, uh, they've been, uh, they applied for the AVA. And now there's 22 AVAs in Oregon. Uh, let's see, here we go. Um, right around Christmas, it went into effect. So uh, the new AVA there. So 22. It is <coughs> the uh, sedimentary, sedimentary soil is not very deep. Uh, they said about three feet deep and has limited water holding capacity, but the vineyards grow and the roots go out and are pretty stable and it creates a different growing area pinot noir being the main one we're talking oregon here but they have also chardonnay pinot gris riesling and sauvignon blanc 12 wineries in the region in the new av and 24 vineyards so the long uh, lower long tom ava but there may be another one falling right behind it. Uh, there is uh, a petition for Mount Pisgah, Pisgah, P-I-S-G-A-H, Mount Pisgah, Polk County. I guess that's the whole name, Mount Pisgah, Polk County. Oregon AVA is near Dallas, Oregon. I have no idea where that is. It's the only Dallas I know is Texas. And it's right now it's outstanding. It's waiting for people to vote on it. 5,500-acre AVA, one of the smallest in Oregon. Uh, the smallest is currently Ribbon Ridge, which is 5,100 acres, so it's only 400 acres larger. But the petition is in for that one, and it will probably pass because it's just a matter of time before an AVA petition becomes a reality. It will include Pinot Noir, which is about 70% of the grapes in that area. Chardonnay and Pinot Gris occupy another 20%. Then you got a variety of different ones make up the last 10%. So a big Pinot Noir. So it's Mount Pisca, Pisca, I don't know, Mount Pisca. Uh, 
Mountain Pisgah, Polk County, Oregon, AVA. We'll find out. I'm sure they will be posting that when it is under review or for comments. And they always, excuse me, they always post a AVA for comments too. So if there's any reason that you are not thrilled with it, you can always make bad comments about it. Why? I don't know, but they do give you that chance. Okay. Um, Sterling Vineyard. If you ever been to Napa, Upper Napa, actually, uh, along uh, 29 and Upper Napa, you'll see Sterling Vineyard. Sterling is one of Napa's most visited wineries. One of the reasons is, and if you go up to that end of the valley, Napa Valley, you will notice the tram. They have a tram that takes you up to the top of the hill to the vineyard. Although there is a road, yes, there's a road behind it. You can travel up and all that. But that's basically for the workers. It's so cool to take this tram because it's a little four-seat cars and you get on it and runs back and forth. This tram's been in existence for a long, long time. Um, the gondola tram started in the early 1970s. And I remember going up and down that tram quite a few times. I used to love it. It was it was fun. And it's beautiful view of the valley. It's one of the best you can possibly think of seeing Napa Valley spread out in front of you and all the vineyards and everything else and different wineries. The uh, uh you see the Sterling Vineyard oh, I said seventy, sixty four. Was founded in nineteen sixty four by uh, foreman, former London Financial Times journalist Peter Newton, and he built the winery in Gonzola, uh, Gondola in the early 70s, so he did build it in the 70s, but moved on to start Newton Vineyards in Napa's uh, Spring Mountain in 77, so the winery changed hands, and for years it was owned by the Coca-Cola Company, and then Seagram bought it from Coca-Cola, and then Diego bought it and eventually treasury wineries and there you go is a big big owner of wineries as is treasury and so now treasury is the owner of it well in 2020 it burned that's when the fires went through and it did some major damage all around that area to the wineries to the tram and everything else so they are closed they have been closed ever since it, the glass fire is what it was called. And that was the big one. They have been closed. So there have been no renovations on the tram for over four years. So now they're doing it. It's uh, the tram's underground workings and storage facility with some of the historic parts were damaged in the fire. So the owners decided to modernize it and make it fully compliant with the Americans with Disabilities Act which it wasn't when it was built, obviously, in the early 70s. It was not compliant. So they're going to make it compliant with Americans with Disabilities. And they're looking at reopening this in the summer of 2023, next year. Yay! So if you're planning on a trip to Napa, wait a year. Uh, it's worth it to take that tram and look over the valley there. I mean, just it's not, not going to make a difference there. Some major damage to Sterling. Sterling was really 
uh, last Friday. It was closed to the public September 2020, and it's been closed ever since. So, uh, and it's not going to be until 2023 that they're going to be opening when they're going to allow customers in. The amount uh, uh, of visitors. This, I, what did I see that? I'm, I'm trying to find. I saw the well, heck, I saw where the number of visitors. It's just an unbelievable amount of visitors. Most visited winery in Napa. And it's simply because of the tram. The tram is a great draw. You can see that from a long ways away. And with the fires burning down all the trees, you can probably really see it now. Oh, here we go. Roughly 160 to 200,000 people visit the winery annually. And uh, that was on average for the five years before the 2020 closure. So with the new tram and new work on it, it might increase from there. So. Excuse me, boy, that's horrible. So that is Sterling Vineyards, a cool place. You probably have seen Sterling Vineyard bottles in your supermarket. They have a big presence in supermarkets where they sell wines for under ten dollars. Uh, Sterling wines uh, are found all over, but they also have some more high-end wines, uh, reserve bottling that are over two hundred dollars. And really is a big difference between the ten dollar and the two hundred dollar wines that you can get through Sterling. So Virginia, <clears throat> excuse me. I uh, we were doing uh, talking about Virginia wines and all that um, before we started to do just more news. And there's all sorts of stuff going on in Virginia. Uh, there's new Virginia wine experiences all over the place. Uh, 2022 marks another year of one-of-a-kind experiences, they say. There are over 300 wineries in Virginia. Oh, my gosh, 300 in the little state of Virginia. And so there's lots of wineries to see, lots to do. They have the Virginia Governor's Cup Celebration. And that's coming up on March the 24th, uh, hashtag VA Wine. And it's a brand new experience they're saying. Taste 50-plus Virginia wines, sample bites prepared by local chefs, and watch as the top Virginia wines are unveiled from this year's Virginia Governor's Cup. Limited tickets, early bird pricing in soon, so do it. Get on. You can get your tickets. Go to Virginia Wine or information at virginiawine.org. And you can get tickets and or find out more information about this. Or hashtag VA Wine, I think, will probably get you through there. But a lot of stuff. Wow. I mean, you know, when you start talking about that many wineries in a little small state of Virginia, then you know that there's a a lot going on and a lot to do. You can probably walk from one to the other with 300 wineries. So, and you can probably find just about anything you want to drink, uh, any style or anything. 
So Virginia wine. What? Uh, uh, there's they've got some wonderful wines coming out of Virginia. Really fantastic wines. Uh, Buffalo Trace Distillery. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's in Kentucky. It's a it's a neat little distillery. It's haunted, actually. Buffalo Trace is haunted. Uh, we've talked to. Um, <laughs> I've got a blank. Um, oh boy! Mm-hmm. Tell I'm getting. I, I, our 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 ghost lady. Uh, uh, Joy neighbors. Joy Neighbors, yeah, thank you. I, yeah. I just had a blank there. I can't think of it. Uh, Joy <laughs> says that Buffalo Trace is definitely haunted. She's She's been there. In fact, she talked about it in past episodes. So you can check that out. But Buffalo Trace set a new tourism record this past year. And I read that and I'm going, wow, you know, the COVID times and all that. Well, they set a new tourism record this past year, which I thought was good for them. I mean, it's, it's rather... Rather interesting thing to do during the pandemic. I also found a podcast about what is sustainable wine. I'm going to listen to it. If it's any good, I'll post it up on our site. I haven't listened to it yet. I just, uh, Beverage Dynamics Magazine sent this in to me, and I, when I get it, I uh, get it online. I go through and read it, and I just got this in today. This is just dated today. So, uh, I uh, just just got this today, so I didn't get a chance to really listen to it and go through it and all that. But I will, if that podcast is any good, I will post it online for you so you can listen to it yourself. Uh, okay, a bit of news here. What's the next one? Uh, oh. This is this is interesting here. They the European Union, EU is looking at changing some rules. Excuse me. Looking at changing some rules about the treatment of alcohol. In December of last year, it was reported by DB at the time, the European Commission approved the conclusion of a report by BECA, which is the European Parliament's Special Committee on Beating Cancer, which stated that there is no alcohol consumption without health risk. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. So, with... 29 votes in favor, one vote against, and four people refusing to vote. This report must now be studied before a further vote by the European Union Parliament on its findings by February the 14th, which is just a little less than two weeks away. Following that report, uh, should it be fully adopted, the EU's 27 members could face a series of restrictions on how alcohol is promoted, how it's priced, how it is sold, how it is transported, how vineyards are managed, how alcohol drinks are made, just everything, just revamp it because of this one 
study. Uh, it's frightened and shocks people. I, and, and this is the word they use here uh, by Dr. Ignacio Ricarte. He said this is uh, uh, has shifted from targeting alcohol harm. He said this is to reduce consumption for everyone using fears that are completely different from what the world has found out and what other studies have shown. But they're basing it on this one. Okay. They report the BECA report has adopted the findings of a flawed scientific study that featured in The Lancet in 2018, which stated there's no safe level of alcohol consumption. And so this study picked up on that. And Dr. Ignacio said that a new, more dogmatic approach to alcohol is behind policies that will limit the access and presence of alcoholic products in our society instead of targeting harmful drinking patterns. He said it's just going to create more problems. He said it, it verges on the Prohibition Act of the United States in the early 1900s, which it does. I mean, basically what they're looking at here is so many restrictions. Um, in essence, there is a move to de demonize the wider drinks industry by talking about, don't know what's going to happen. February 14th is the final vote. Uh, uh, the report, I looked at the report and it started, it's a long report. They went into a whole bunch of stuff in there and I just, I got started reading it after a while. In reality, uh, the doctor reminded people the wine sector is one of the pillars of socioeconomic sustainability in our rural areas. Wine is key to rural development. Wine consumed in moderation is a joy and a cultural contribution. So, yay for you, doctor. Yes. Yeah, he pretty much sums it up right there. So we don't know. Concluding, he said, Dr. Ignacio said, whether it's a CEO or a grower, they don't realize what is happening. We need them to defend their industry. So get the word out there, he said. Let the people know what's going on. Uh, winemakers and grape growers are looking for their plants, their wines, and their consumers and not realizing the world that is arriving to them. They are focused on their bubble, which is a fantastic one, but this problem is happening on the outside and it could explode their little world. You know, it's uh, bureaucrats and government and everything again over there and trying to say what's better for us. Alcohol creates cancer, so therefore we need to stop alcohol and then therefore we won't have any cancer. Yeah, okay, I wish it were that easily done. It isn't. And I think any intelligent person would realize that just banning alcohol or the use of it is going to stop cancer. It's not going to happen. But that's what's happening now over in the European Union. They're looking at doing lots of restrictions on it. February 14th is the vote. If you live in Europe and you listen to this show, go to the European Union and vote and tell them they're idiots. And if you... I don't know if you can write. I don't know if they leave it open for letters or emails or anything, but whatever. It's just crazy that they would even consider doing all those restrictions on alcohol just because of one report. And there's been so many other reports. This is the thing about it. There's been so many other reports that have came out that have said that that's absurd. 
So, I don't know. Wine tanker traveling from Italy to Spain, back and forth, has been discovered that it wasn't full of wine. It was full of thousands of kilos of drugs. It was never stopped. It was never questioned. It was just full of drugs. And it was marked as a wine tanker. And it was going through all the checkpoints and everything else, going to different countries, which is pretty open. They don't, you know, it's not really strict because of EU. But it says the system moved 1,500 to 2,000 kilograms of hash every two months and three kilos a month of cocaine imported from Spain. And so uh, (laughs) they caught him. And it's going to stop at 44 pounds of cocaine has been concealed in a shipment of frosted cornflakes, too. Another another thing they caught here, that was in the United States, uh, 44 pounds of cocaine in frosted flakes. Yeah. So uh, every time somebody tries something new, then the, the good guys, quote, unquote, have to try to catch them. I don't know, when they're shipping, you know, cocaine and stuff like that, you know, three kilos a month of cocaine, it's worth a lot of money, but it can get pretty serious. So, okay, and then Greece is trying to promote their wine, the acid Tico, Astro I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, Syrah is associated with Australia, Sauvignon Blanc with New Zealand, recently with Germany. Now Greece wants to be known for their great variety, which is the Astro Tico. A-S-S-Y-R-T-I-K-L, Astro Tico. Uh, it's uh, grown in uh, Santorini's volcanic soil area. And it was uh, a great variety that's been found its way into the Greek mainland and even around the New World. It is heat-resistant and drought-resistant, so it's very good for that. And uh, let's see, let's see, Astrotico. Uh, 30% of Greece's cultivated area is planted in Astrotico. So I've never seen it. I, I've had other wines from Greece that were tend to be pretty sweet, most of them. And this, I'm not familiar with Astrodeco, so I have to go find that and do it. But they are trying, Greece is trying to make that the wine that people associate. When you say Shiraz, Shiraz with a Z, you always think Australia. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, it's automatically Napa. Uh, New Zealand, Sauvignon Blanc. Riesling, Germany. Um, Pinot Noir, Argentina and Oregon. So you want to say Astrodeco, Greece. There you go. That is their, that is their uh, aim there. We'll see if you see any Astrodeco on the shelf, Greek Astrotique on the shelf, and get it so that you can be part of them making it their 
their new one. Screaming Eagle. I have Screaming Eagle. I know there's Screaming Eagle here, and I don't know why. But it's 8 o'clock. Oh, it's 8.04 already. So I got through everything I wanted to get through. How about that? Wow. Yeah. All right. Um, I did notice uh, Total Wine and More has uh, Hermes uh, White Wine, 750 milliliter, uh, from Greece with the same uh, grape. Uh, oh, yeah. With the same, uh, yep, for eleven ninety nine. Yeah. Wow. That's Azure a good Tico. price. Azure I think is pronounced. I'm not sure. I, mm-hmm. I think it's Azure Tico. Yeah. I'll have to ask. I will pick up a bottle of that and ask the person who I buy it from, how do you pronounce this? And then they'll say something. Then I'll go up and ask the cashier, and they'll say something. And as I walk out, I'll ask somebody else, and they'll say something else, and I'll get three or four different pronunciations because you know, nobody really knows. If you are Greek and you know how to pronounce it. Yeah, they have a total one and more have a couple of them. Uh, GWC Santorini white wine uh, Mm. is that, and Hermes Hermes white wine is, uh, yeah. They're reasonably priced, too. That's cool. Yeah. That's one of the things they have to be reasonably priced so people can try them. Yeah. 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 Um, Oh, very good. All right. Looking up stuff here. There was something else I looked up and I forgot what it was. Um, I guess not. Anyway, uh, there was something I had. Uh, maybe not. Okay. Uh, well, our next show will be next Thursday, February the 10th. Wow. Already yeah, I know. There. February Already the there. Next week. <laughs> and uh, no. we appreciate everybody for uh, tuning in, whether it's live or in the archives. Uh, and uh, thank you, as always, for uh, for joining us. And if you have, have any questions about wine or would like to be a guest or know somebody who would like to be a guest that's uh, in the wine industry, please have them contact us and contact Ron at allaboutwine101 at gmail.com. That, okay, get a pencil. Gosh, yeah. we'll wait. And a piece of paper. Okay, uh, all about one <laughs> one zero one at gmail dot com, and Ron will get that uh, and make sure that you're you're actually in the the industry, and then we'll set up a set up for you to come in on the show. So uh, yeah, oh, yeah, before I forget, I just just came in, just came in at eight o'clock this evening, seven fifty nine, so a few minutes ago. So you know, I mean, you know, breaking news right now: Paso Ridge Winery has chocolate pots de cream and uh for halloween they're doing a chocolate uh a chocolate pot halloween? cream halloween did i say halloween i meant valentine's boy where oh. do you give halloween wow chocolate pot uh. de cream is elegant chocolatey sweet and perfect with pastor ridge uh oski fizzante uh oski fizzante pink and valentine's day celebrations so uh, they're doing they're, the Tassel Ridge goes all out on Halloween. They really do gra- Halloween. There I just said it again. I just caught myself on it. Go out all out. <laughs> go all out on Valentine's Day. Uh, they always have a whole bunch of stuff going on. They have wine tastings, reservations only, but they uh, have home wine and chocolate pairing at home that you can order through them and it's this wine and chocolates uh which is another great valentine's gift and they have some sweet wines which are nice for halloween 
not Halloween, for Valentine's, and all sorts of stuff coming up on them. They're located in southeastern Iowa, so you can get a hold of them at Tassel Ridge, what, Tassel Ridge Wines, I think? Uh, let me see here, where is the... Okay, TasselRidge.com. Okay, TasselRidge.com. Yeah, I finally found it. Yeah, T-A-S-S-E-L-R-I-D-G-E. Tassel. Tassel Ridge. So, oh, I got a... Very cool. Oh, we got a caller on the air. Hi, you're on. We got a caller on the air. (laughs) (laughs) My friends, my friends should know that I'm on this show. But we're going to end anyway, so... Yeah, we're good. Uh, oh, yeah, if you ever want to get rid of somebody, a uh, telemarketer or a, or a spam caller, just answer the phone and go, hey, you're calling number five. Who do we got here? And hang up. <laughs> yeah, or or uh, I, another one I like, very quietly you say, the body's taken care of. Anything else? And then, <laughs> <laughs> then hang up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I got rid of the body. Is there anything else? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> unless, it's, unless it's like the sheriff's department asking for yeah, you know, yeah. funds or something. Excuse, right. me? <laughs> Excuse me? Excuse me. Speak up one more Is time. This... <laughs> let, me, yeah. let me back trace this phone number. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right. We'll, yeah. Uh, we'll talk to you all again uh, February the 10th. Be sure to tune in. Here on Blog Talk Radio uh, or our Facebook page or on YouTube. And thanks again. We'll see you all next week. Be safe out there. Thanks for listening. See you next week. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinedtr.com. Oh, I forgot. The uh, wine experience in New York is uh-huh. October the 20th for the 22nd. <laughs> So oh, three days. Okay. So we got a few and, months. Um, we, can, we can talk about that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, weekend registration opens early 2022 this year. So uh, check it out. I forgot wow. we started the show. But okay. All guys' shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash all about wine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. That's it. And go to the green room.